You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now your host, Tish. She's a beyond loss mentor, author, international keynote speaker, having shared the stage with Valerie Harper and Jamie Lee Curtis, just to name a few. She's also an online TV show host and a podcaster. Her motto is, life is too short to be suffering from any kind of loss. Unwrap the gift this has brought and then design a life that you live and love. You'll find her at karenchasten.com. That's Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Chasten, C-H-A-S-T-O-N.com. Welcome, Karen. Hi, how are you, Tish? So great to be here. Thank you. I'm great, and I am so excited to have you here with me today. Really quick, listeners, before we jump into the conversation, if you want the show notes from today's episode so that you can find all the links to Karen and her social media, head on over to shiningself.com forward slash KC. All right, Karen, I am thrilled to have you here with me today, and I know that it is actually, so it's Friday for me, but I know it's Saturday for you. It is. (laughs) I'll put you into the future. It always throws me for a loop. I've spoken with a couple other people. Um, You're in Australia, correct? Correct. Okay. (laughs) Made sure I wanted to, I was saying something else and I'm like, no, no, she's Australian. But I've spoken with a couple other ones and they're like, well, it's actually, I'm a day ahead of you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that just, I can't wrap my brain around that for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, now I get it. So I'm excited to learn more about the topic we are talking about today. We're going to talk about the gift of loss. Now, obviously, hearing you want to talk about the gift of loss, the first question that pops into my mind is, how and why do you refer to loss as a gift? I know it's completely different, but I have found in, you know, in my life that there are over 40 different loss events that are going to affect our lives. And if we choose to look for the gift in what these loss events have actually brought to us, they can become our pivotal moments. So that in itself makes it a gift. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of your listeners are going, but there was no gift when I lost. And, you know, and I totally get it. I totally understand it. But there was a gift and it's so hard in, to understand that when you are grieving and suffering, the concept would be sort of, you know, making you feel angry and I totally get that. But with over 40 different loss events, don't you feel that they are designed to maybe help us to course correct, to get back on track? That's a really good question. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I've found. And it's, it's not easy. And I'm going to keep saying that because I really want to respect your uh, listeners for them to understand that we're here to grow. Life, life continually changes. And it doesn't really matter what your spiritual beliefs are, but we are here to experience every different phase in our lives. And like our heartbeat, we have 
up moments and we have down moments. And if you sort of, you know, if you looked at a heart monitor, and I'm pretty sure most of us have seen a heart monitor at some stage on some TV program where it goes up and down and up and down. And when it's a straight line, what does that mean? Death. Exactly. So that's if we look at that analogy and we bring it into our lives, if we just lived a straight line life, it would be like we were dead. And the best example of that is Adam and Eve. They had everything. They had nothing to worry about. They didn't have the ups and the downs. And what did they do? Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that question totally threw me off and I'm a Christian, so I should know that. Yeah. Well, they ended up escaping from the garden of Eden because they were bored. So that's why I like to look at life as, as these moments that we will learn from our up moments and we will learn from our down times. And it's about trying to find what that gift is in your life so that then you can take the time to turn around and go, well, what does this mean for me now? What does it mean for me going forward? Your life is never going to be the same again as it was before whatever this loss event was in your life. And it's not just, you know, a death of a loved one. There are so many others. It could be a breakdown of a marriage or a partnership. It could be your health, your wealth, your job, you know, your pets. There's, as I said, there's over 40 different loss events that can affect our lives. So it, we're never going to be the same again. So it's about us creating what our new normal. That's really good. And so many questions are popping into my head as you're talking about all that. Um, so I'm curious, have you always yep. lived looking at loss as a gift? No, no. I and to be quite so. honest, no. uh, to be quite honest, probably in reality, the last, the last four years, but I've created this terminology in the last two. Okay. Is there, was there a pivotal point in your life, something that happened that kind of changed the way you looked at loss? Yes, there was. So would you like me to tell you about what it was? Absolutely. Please share. Okay. So on the 10th of July, 2011, it was a Sunday morning and my husband and I thought that we were waking up to have a lazy day at home. But as he took the walk down the stairs to take the rubbish outside, he opened the back door and he then very quickly turned around and shouted back up the stairs. He just went, bloody hell, Dan is asleep at our back door. Now, alarm bells went off for me because Dan, our 27-year-old son, he had a habit of drinking way too much, but he always made it home to bed. So this was quite unusual, the fact that he was asleep at our back door. So I very quickly took the, st the stairs and as I rushed out, I could see him lying there in the fetal position and we tried to wake him. And then the uh, paramedics arrived very, very quickly. And they just took one look at him and they just said, look, I'm sorry, he's dead. He probably has been for several hours. Now, at that time, 
I was a CFO of a publicly listed company and and everything I did was now what I advised my people, my clients not to do. I um, I went straight back to work because that was my that was my comfort zone. I was in survival and I knew what to do in survival. So I just carried on and I just eating more, drinking more and working even harder, which is absolutely ridiculous when I think about it. And I now know that, no, I won't tell you that yet. So what, I, so what happened was in that time after um, just carrying on and working more, about 15 months later, the company that I was working for was merging with another and they came to me and they said, Karen, you're not going to be the CFO in the new company, but you're going to be doing everything that you're doing now and probably more. And I just went, yeah, that's okay. You know, I, I love my job. That's great. And then they offered me my salary package, which was two thirds of what my current salary was at that time. And I just thought, how dare they do this to me? Like, I have given them my life. And I had the weekend to decide what to do. And within like a day, I was so grateful for them because they helped me to realize that as much as I thought I loved my job, it was actually the money that I was loving. And it was a great salary. But I then started to look at my life and started to realize that even though I was earning this great money, I was wasting a fair bit of it on silly things. And I wasn't fulfilled in all other areas of my life. You know, my relationships with my husband and my kids could have been better. My relationship with my health could have definitely been better. And, you know, with my friends and I started to realize that when you look at the, your wellness wheel, and the wheel that I've created, I have nine areas of life in my wellness wheel. And I sat down and I looked at it and I thought, oh, my God, you know, one-ninth of it is okay. You know, I'd probably give it a seven out of ten. But then with the rest of them, they were way down. They were all down around the twos and the threes out of ten. So that's why I like to say that it's a gift when loss comes to you. And I, within a very short time when I started on this path because after leaving that job, I decided that there was, the signs were coming to me, you know, Dan, Dan died, nothing happened. The job, you know, I lost my job, which was my choice. But I also knew that if, if I didn't change the way I was looking at my life and living my life, I was going to keep getting signs. And I know that the next one would have been a health issue. So that's why I call it the gift of loss. And I like to, to think that, you know, when I found Dan, Dan lying there in the fetal position, he was never meant to wake up that day. It was all about me waking up. And that's why I call it the gift of loss. And it's about me helping people to work through this process which I have created so that they can design a life where they live and love each and every day. Oh my gosh, Karen. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. I, 
I can't even, I mean, my heart just goes out to you, the thought of losing. I have a 21-year-old son and, you know, just the thought of losing a child, we're not meant to bury our children. So I just... I totally agree. And my mother was exactly the same at his funeral. She was like, what's going on here? He's meant to be at my funeral. I'm not meant to be at his. Yeah, it's just, oh man, I was choking up while you were talking because one, you know, the loss of your child, but because of the drinking too much, yeah, um, that hits home so much. I'm an alcoholic at this oh, time. Wow. I am a, over five years sober. God willing, it will be six years in March. So good on you. Just, thank you. Um, that just really, I mean, that very easily could have been me. Um, was it because of drinking that caused his death? I guess I should ask that question. Yeah, yeah, thank you for asking. Um, it, it wasn't. Initially, we thought it was, but what okay. we found out, what we found out quite a few, uh, a while later, was that when at the autopsy the next day, and they said that his lungs were so bad that if he had smoked full on for like 10, 12 years because he was 27, he couldn't have done a quarter of the damage to the lungs. And two years previously, he had been in Scotland and he had spent a week in hospital with pneumonia. Um, but through different sort of means, he's actually told me that when he fell over, um, when he came home, he um, went to catch his breath and he couldn't. So it was his lungs that failed him. Oh my gosh, that just, it breaks my heart. I, I yeah. can't even, like I said already, I cannot even just wrap my brain around that. So here you are going through this, you know, horrific moment in your life. Your 27-year-old son has just passed and the changes at the job are going on. So well, that was 15 months later with the oh, changes. it was later. Okay. Yeah. So take me to the moment you're dealing with the loss of your son, you're grieving through that. How, what was like the moment that you realized, okay, there's a gift in his loss. How did you what, start thinking okay, of it so that the, way? So the st it started when my former employer gave me that contract for the new company that we were forming and it was two thirds of my salary. So they gave it to me on the Friday afternoon and by the Saturday I started to realise that this was a gift because that's when I started to have a different perspective about the way I was living my life and and I've always been quite spiritual and I was really starting to ask myself these really tough questions, you know, like what does this mean? Like there's there's more to this than just you know this happening you know like damn past and then this happened and so I I'm really big on journaling and asking myself questions and waiting for the answers and you know I love to say that for every problem there is a question waiting to be asked and for every question asked there is an answer waiting to be revealed and for every answer there is then an action step waiting to be taken. And with every action step you take, you move one step closer to your live love life. 
and that's what I love. And and I didn't have that wisdom in those in that sort of um, so eloquently then, but I was doing it without realizing. And I just knew that once I chose redundancy from that company, I knew that I was on a different path. I knew that it was time for me to be me. And, oh, my God, the things I have done and the things that I compare to when I was in my corporate life, how I held myself back without even realizing it. Thank you for sharing all that. And I have heard that's kind of a repeated theme over and over with other people that have left corporate to go on to start like their own business and stuff that just how much they were holding themselves back in a corporate position compared to, you know, the freedom to be themselves now and do what their soul really, you know, calls to them to do. So, um, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. And the thing is, you don't even know, you know, um, the, my, my first book, which is a journey to becoming your own best friend. And the subtitle for it is a, a guide for, um, um, a guide for every woman getting out of her own way. And it's so true. We get in our way so much and we don't even realize it. We, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to do with culture and it's a lot to do with beliefs and, you know, and questioning your beliefs because most of our beliefs aren't even our beliefs and they're the ones that are limiting us and holding us back. So that in itself is an amazing exercise for everyone to do. I am definitely going to be checking out that book. Again, listeners, if you didn't catch the name of it, it's called Journey to Becoming Your Own Best Friend. Um, Karen, so if we have somebody that's listening right now and they are going through a recent loss in their life, whether it be the loss of a loved one, a pet, loss of a job, uh, whatever it may be, what is like one to two things that you could tell them to, I mean, I know it's not easy getting through loss, but what are a couple like actionable items that they could do to help them move through this? Okay. Well, I do have a five-step process, but I won't go into the whole five steps. But the first thing I I, um, feel that the best thing for them to do is for them to stop. Now, as I said earlier, I didn't stop. And it's in the stopping that you get to take that conscious loving breath. You know, the one where you breathe deep down into your belly and you fill you up yourself up with all of the wisdom that's required for you to start asking yourself those tough questions, for you to start saying, like, what does this mean for me now? Where, you know, what what will happen going forward and what would I like to happen going forward? You know, how have I been holding myself back? And It's quite interesting that when we do stop and keep taking those beautiful conscious loving breaths, the answers come to us. We 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 are all here to go and journey and experience life, but we get so stuck in 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 the day-to-day stuff that we don't look at the higher picture. And you know, I I heard not so long ago and I thought it's so true. Most people 
spend more time planning their next holiday than they do planning their life. Wow. That's crazy. And that also hits home with me because the boyfriend and I, we recently had a vacation to Hawaii and we are already focusing on and putting a bunch of time and energy into planning the next trip back to Hawaii. So that just hit home when you said that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure for most of your listeners as well. And you sort of like, and, and I'm not saying don't plan your next holiday. I'm just saying put it into proportion, like, you know, two weeks a year, one month a year if you're lucky. What about the 11, other 11 months? You know, what are you doing? Are you actually in a job where you are just going through what I love to call a Groundhog Day days, where each day is the same. You're just going through the routine and you are just literally there waiting for Friday to come so you can have two days off, as opposed to saying, well, what job do I want? You know, what would be my ideal job? And sitting down and figuring it out and planning it and then figuring out what skills you require for you to then get that job and then, you know, break those skills learnings down into chunkable size, you know, weekly goals to achieve so that you can go and get that job. So that's, and, and I know that's gone past what you said, but it's it's in realizing that whatever this event is, it's actually there to assist you not to bring you down. And, you know, if it is a death of a loved one, realize that your loved one is still with you. You know, we ha every relationship in our life has three components, components to it. There's a physical component, there's an emotional component, and there's a spiritual component. So when the relationship ends, you know, and it could be through death, or it could be through divorce, or it could be the fact that your you know, and your health is a relationship with you. So if you've lost the relationship with your health, this exercise still works. And it's then about you saying, okay, the physical has changed, but the emotional and the spiritual will always go on. So your emotions to this ending of the relationship is where you grieve and suffer and where you can go down and not come up. Now, your emotions are a choice, and I'm not saying this is easy, right? But you do have a choice. So the more that you start to say, okay, so let's talk about a divorce. It's probably the easiest one. Okay, my physical relationship has ended with my husband, okay? But I still have an emotional attachment to him, especially if you have children. So wouldn't it be easier if I had an amicable relationship with him as opposed to having one where we're always bickering, which causes angst for our children and causes a whole lot of other stuff for our friends, our loved ones, everyone. So your emotional is a choice. So you can have a great relationship. And I'm not saying, you know, they, you may have done something wrong, they may have done something wrong, and to be quite honest, you probably both did something wrong. So it is about um, completing the relationship, and that's the, the fourth step in my five-step process 
is to complete the relationship. And you do it through a whole lot of exercises. And one of them is that you end up writing a completion letter. You never send it to them. You never read it to them. But you do read it to a trusted friend. And it's about you apologizing for whatever you have to apologize, you forgiving, and you don't, you forgive for yourself more than anyone else. And then it's also about having acknowledgements. You know, it could be, you know, thank you for my beautiful children, or, you know, thank you for being a great provider while we were married, or anything like that. So, does that answer your questions in a long way? That does absolutely answer my question, Karen, and I appreciate that. And I love what you were just talking about, the completion letter. Yeah. So in AA, I did something very similar. It was not called a completion letter, but um, writing out, you know, things that I had done wrong in the relationship with my son's father. So listing, you know, that stuff out asking for forgiveness for the things that I had done wrong, and then sharing that with my sponsor. That was, oh my gosh, so powerful and empowering for me. Like I absolutely love that a completion letter is part of your process. And speaking of your five-step process, is there somewhere that listeners can go to get that? Um, no, I don't have it as such up there, um, uh, there, but they can certainly connect with me and then I can go through it with them. Uh, but I don't have it listed on my website as such. I'd, I'd just like to clarify the, the slight difference that we actually do with the completion is we never ask for a forgiveness. We just apologize. Um, we, so we apologize and then we forgive them for anything. And it's more about we forgive them for my, for me. So I can move on. Um, and also part of my process, which, you know, in developing it and bringing it together, we um, use, have you ever heard of the concept of radical forgiveness? Yes. Yeah. So we use radical forgiveness. So for your listeners who may not have heard it, it's, it's a concept where you actually realize that no one does anything to you. They do it for you. So radical forgiveness is, is a huge part of the process. Um, when you sort of go through it. And that's why you don't ask for forgiveness. You just apologize. And, and there's a different energy between asking and apologizing. Um, I just sort of wanted to make that clear. That's really good. And I'm so thankful that you did make that clarification because you're right. There is completely different energy around um, that. So thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, so thank you. Karen, this has been so amazing and I feel like I could talk to you forever because so many things just keep popping up into my head, but I want to respect your time as well as my listeners' time. So if you wanted to make sure that my listeners had one key point to take away from our conversation today, what would that be? You are the only person you are going to spend your entire life with. So why are you putting yourself last and giving up on your dreams? Realize that everything that comes into your life is to assist you to live and love your life. Wow. Talk about a powerful way to end that call. Holy Toledo. I am going to be re-listening to this so that I can write that down and stick that on a sticky note because that was really good, Karen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> And, and I believe it. And you know what? I was 55 when I got that. And I'm like, 
oh, my God, I, I always thought I was quite a smart lady. You know, I've got a master's degree. You know, I've got a few accreditations. And I thought, why didn't I get that when I was younger? And to understand that when you were younger is the way that you truly can live an amazing life because most people think that when you put yourself first, you're being selfish, but you're not. You're topping yourself up so that you are then there for everyone else in your life. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And it's so funny how the universe, God, whatever people want to say, it's so funny how that all works because you are my third interview for today and it has been so aligned where we all have talked about similar things. And I just love that it's aligned like that because it was not planned. I didn't yeah. know anything about any of, you know, the, um, the people that I was interviewing. So it's just, it, it always blows my mind when something like that works. So I love yeah. that. And, and it is about trusting, isn't it? Trusting yes. that the, but, and, and that's another thing we've lost, right? It is about trusting that there is a bigger plan for this event to take you to where you're meant to be. Like, I honestly believe that Dan and I had had this as our goal so that I could then start doing what I'm doing now to help people to have a different perspective about loss, for them to realise that, you know, their emotions are a choice and grieving and suffering, there is a place for that, but it doesn't have to take over your whole life for the rest of your life like so many people do. They lose a loved one and then they just stop functioning and that's not what their life is about. It's about them learning and growing from the event. Yeah, and I like that you talk about that because so, well, I don't want to say so often because I haven't seen it super often, but I have seen it in a few people where they have lost a husband or a significant other. And it's like, while their significant other permanently, you know, passed, died, it was almost like they died too, because they literally put their lives on hold and stopped living. And I think that is really sad. I mean, I have lost my grandparents, so I understand how hard death is. But at the same time, I went through my grieving and I also knew my grandparents, they would not want me putting my life on hold and continuing to grieve them over and over and not be living my life. I totally agree. And I always say that, you know, they're onto their next adventure. They're yes. learning and growing and, you know, doing so many other things. And that's what they want for you as well. And there are so many signs that they're around, you know, like my son, he is, he pops into family photos. You know, it's amazing. You, he's always sending me rainbows and dragonflies. And, you know, if you looked around my office, I have so many dragonflies everywhere, um, you know, in different sort of forms. I have a beautiful friend who is a medium and she just, and whenever she finds one, she buys me these amazing gifts. And I just know that he's always with me. I like to say, actually, that I spend more time with him than I do with his two brothers who are in this realm. But, yeah, it's lovely. That's amazing. And it is always awesome and fun when our loved ones send us messages from the other side. Yeah, if you're open to seeing them. Yep. 
All right, Kieran, this has been phenomenal. As I mentioned, I appreciate you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me. Listeners, again, if you want show notes from today so that you can click through links and find Kieran online, be sure to head on over to shiningself.com forward slash KC. I'll also make sure that I put a link to her journey to becoming your own best friend book in the show notes. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, Karen. Thanks. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and share with others that need a message of hope, love, and transformation.